it's time for another episode of Bald and Bingeable with D'Angelo. I'm D'Angelo, and I'm here to take you through an auditory journey through all the things in pop culture that you consume, the stuff you're insatiable for, the stuff you find truly bingeable. <laughs> I don't know, I got that preacher vibe going on with me today. Um, okay, listen, so you guys, today is going to be a little bit of a different episode. No, it's not. It's going to be the same as old, same old. This is going to be one of those stream of conscious D'Angelo Cloud episodes. We're going to go through my phone, essentially. And I'm going to go through my streaming apps, and we're going to talk about what I've been watching, because it's been a minute since I've been with you guys, and I've missed you, and I hope you guys miss me. And apparently you did, because you guys are here. Thank you guys so much for listening. And you guys have still been listening, even though I've been kind of like on these like weird hiatuses, and like I I know I always say, like, I want to do better. And the thing is, is, and I don't want to make an empty promise, but I really want to say that I will do better and I will be here for you guys more than, like, once a month. But um, life has been busy. Life has been crazy. I mean, I think everybody's lives are busy and crazy. But the thing is, is, like, right now in particular, we're just, like, short-staffed at work. Same situation with everybody else. And uh, I have more and more business that's, like, been coming through, which is kind of crazy and, um, and very much a blessing. But... You guys, um, if you're in San Francisco, if you're in Chicago, and if you're in L.A., I'm coming for you guys this June with a amazing jam-packed show. I can't even tell you guys who's in it yet because not everybody signed, but it's a good, fun, old romp. And it's not just drag queens from like... Uh, oh, I just I just spilled the beans. I have a drag show coming around, you guys, that I'm producing. So uh, keep an eye out for it. Again, that's San Francisco. That's Chicago. That's going to be L.A. Uh, this June. But before that, you know, I'm going to be up in L.A. for a couple of these um, Barracuda situations. I'm going to be there for the April and June. I'm sorry, April and May Barracudas. And the one in Barracuda for May happens during... Drag Con weekend, and I'm gonna be there for the whole weekend as well. So if you guys are gonna be at Drag Con in, uh, in the month of May in LA, please reach out. I need somebody to hang out with, and I wasn't able to get myself a VIP ticket, so I'm really really pissed about that. Apparently they're all the way sold out. But so if you guys are selling a VIP ticket, get it in my DMs because I would totally buy that from you, uh, legit. Okay, anyways, so. A lot has been going on. Yeah, so professionally, that was that whole thing. But let's talk a little bit about the personal life. Okay, we're going to let you guys in a little bit. Okay, everybody, like, lean in. Lean in. Everybody just, we're going to talk for just one second. Okay. You guys are so weird for listening to me. Okay, so um, the situation is, is that we got new dogs. Uh, so you guys know, I've already shared on here before about the loss of our little Lucy that we had right after the holidays. And we had been in pursuit of getting a second dog for, you know, a, a, a companion for her for a little while. Um, never worked out. And when she got sick, it just all happened so quickly, you know, that we were never able to get a second dog at the time. So after about a month of like, you know, healing and, and working through, the grief process and you know grief comes in waves and whatnot and it's not like it's not like something that i'm over i would say that it's something that i have learned how to manage and how to deal with and things get easier but you still have those little moments those little pangs those little memories that kind of shoot through you a wave of grief hits and then you move on and you push and then you get to the next you know the next lily pad so to speak so um <sighs> We were going to Miami last month. I, I think I told you guys about this um, last last time I was on. And uh, on our trip to Miami, we got this random text message from a friend of ours who said that one of his students' sister's dog had a litter. And so it was uh, this little mini, mini poodle, miniature poodle, um, but nobody had any idea who the dog's dad was, uh, that it just got out, went around the neighborhood, apparently came back a couple days later, and then she was pregnant a couple months later there. They realized so this is what they said. And, um, so we were like, okay. And so we went over and we met the dogs and, uh, after we got back from, from Miami, you know, so uh, I don't know what the timeline is here, but anyways, but we're not going to do semantics. But so we went and met these little puppies. And so in the situation, it wasn't like the best situation. You can tell that they were not like a kennel or anything like that. They were literally 
a family that was a working class family that was living in not the best situation. Uh, but they loved their dog. They were clean. They were wonderful. They were sweet. And when we met the puppies, um, apparently she had a litter of six and two of them were boys and four were girls. And when we got there, the two little boy puppies were already gone. It bothers me in some reasons because it, it was, uh, they say a lot of times that you shouldn't take the puppy from its mother before eight weeks. And these puppies were only about six and a half weeks old at the time. So we looked at each other and we sat there and we got to meet the pups, the, the little girls that were their little puppy girls. So there were, um, four left, one little black one who was like the little runt of the litter. Then there was a black and white who was a little tiny thing. Um, and then there were these two little white ones. And when we were sitting there on the floor and as the puppies were coming in the room, as they were bringing them through the little white, the bigger one, there was, there was a little white one, a small, a bigger white one, the bigger white one came over to my partner and just kind of like looked up at him and was just like enamored and he started petting her and she just sat there while the other puppies were like playing and jumping off things and just kind of, you know, being puppies. And so it was just like an instant like, oh, look at this one. And then I met the other ones. I love the little black one. It was adorable, the little runt of the litter, the little tiny one. And then a little bit later, this little, the, the little white one comes over to me and just very sweet, just kind of like nudges my hand and I pick her up. And one of those things that I don't know if it's like a, I don't know if this is a true thing, but it's like an old farmer's thing. A lot of Midwest is that when you pick a puppy up. And if you put it on its back and if it just kind of, you know, turns into butter in your hand, you know, very much a, a, like just becomes a little lazy pup, then, you know, that's the pup that you want because that's the one that's going to be like slow energy, a little bit, you know, calm, that sort of thing. And, um, and I did that and she just kind of melts it. And I was like, oh my God, she's adorable. Well, as we're talking to them and then this is when we find out that they were only six, six and a half weeks old. And so we looked at each other and Anthony was like, I don't know. I would love to take one, maybe two, but I don't know. So we were like, well, we're going to think. And we left. Uh, weren't sure what the situation was. But as we were leaving, I got a little bit emotional, missing my Lucy girl. And um, at the same time, I just kept hearing this voice in my head. It was like, these puppies are not eight weeks old yet. We cannot, we cannot take these from their mother. It's just not right. They need to socialize. There's lots of little milestones that they still were going to hit in that, you know, in that one and a half week. You know, they say that dogs, you know, every year is, is seven. And so they hit milestones quickly and, and you really want to nurture that. And so we left. And I still had this other dog that I had applied for in Pet Finder that was out there. And they were making me go through so many hoops for this dog. And it was like, we're an ideal home. We had a dog. We proved to you that we would do anything financially for our dogs because of how much money we spent on the last treatments, you know, there when we had our sick pup. And then also we just have, we have a big backyard. We have our own home. We don't have to ask for permission we are clean. We have an office. The dog is never going to be alone. It's always going to be, be able to go back and forth, just like how our other. And they just kept making me go through things. And they said, oh, well, your gate has the, the, the slats in the gate are too big. And so I had to go and I had to find a problem, a way to solve that problem. And it was coming up with all these solutions and they just kind of kept put, putting stumbling blocks there. And then it just kind of became like, well, well since we can't get down there to visit, it's just not going to work out. Okay, great. And I was still thinking about these little puppies in my back of my head. And then, and so was Anthony. And then like the next weekend, it was like still thinking about them. And then the next weekend, we're still thinking. And now they are eight and a half, nine weeks old. So Anthony's like, let's just, let's call and let's see. And, you know, we have two left. Oh, which, which ones? The little white ones. Oh, so it felt a little bit kismet. It felt like, okay, so let's go get these little white doggies. So we got ourselves all prepared here. I did a bunch of research. And then 
one of the things too is this is just kind of like just hit you know it was like a little byline in a couple of the articles is that if you when you're getting puppies is that you should space them out before you get them because it's a lot more work and training and it's challenging and then also if you get two puppies from the same litter uh, at the same time you can pose some challenges like litter mate syndrome and some things that you really have to do your due diligence to make sure that you do not come up against these issues. So it was like, okay, we're going to throw ourselves into this. Let's do it. We ended up going over there. And so we adopted these two little puppies. Basically, you know, we paid this family, you know, like a, like a hundred bucks each puppy and just, just for their time, you know what I mean? And so they were uh, just, that's what they were asking for. So anyways, um, I'm not cutting anything out, so I don't know if that's controversial or whatever, and don't come at me, but this is just what's going on. So they would have ended up in the ASPCA or wherever else. So we ended up taking both, and um, we contacted one of our, this woman who ran a foster, who was who we actually got our other dog from and whatnot uh, in the past. And so and she was like, just check out the litter mate syndrome, make sure you guys are really working on that. So... We have two little dogs, you guys. Uh, they're adorable. You guys can see them on my Instagram. Um, really loving. I just released pictures of them after we've had them for almost about a month now. That it was just like, okay, so let's let's put this out there. So we did it kind of on the anniversary of Lucy's Gotcha Day. Uh, so it's bittersweet and it's um, it's just what it is. So it's been great. It's been a lot of work. Um, what's nice is that we do have our own home here and we have the luxury of being able to work from home. So it has been puppy boot camp here with training them. We split them up in the mornings. So they have separate mornings from each other a lot of times. Uh, and as much as we can, we give them their own individual attention. And so and what's great is they're starting to respond to their names, which are Rose and Sadie. So if you guys are fans of the 1980s comedy starring Bette Midler and Lily Tomlin called Big Business, that's actually where we got their names from. And they very much have the personalities of Rose and Sadie. So Rose is the sh uh, is the taller, more emotional, loving, you know, she's the country one. And Sadie is the little spitfire, rowdy leader you know and so it's um it's cute so like the, you know the, the the city versions of rose and sadie but so it's been nice we've been really working on things we're getting potty training down and uh it should be fun and so and i have like in a month my in-laws are supposed to be coming to visit and so i really want to have them like good to go before we people here in the house and then it's just even more challenges and trying to get attention from little puppies but they're doing great so it's been good it's been a blessing what's been funny though is is like this past week anthony uh ended up going out of town he had some work in philadelphia with a client and so i was a single mom for six days okay gilmore girls lied to me okay i was not lorelei gilmore i was not feeling my oats i just felt like Malcolm in the Middle mom. I felt like Patricia Heaton in every single thing that she ever plays in. Is that her name? Patricia Heaton? The one from the middle and everyone loves Raymond. Raymond, I gave you this figurine. Okay, anyways, um, that was a horrible, horrible impression. Once more, it was like I was here by myself and so I had to like run little errands. And so thank God for Postmates and thank God for ordering and pickup. Uh, so one of the things, okay, so for you parent. So you dog parents out there, you pet parents, you furry critter parents, um, Petco is where we get a lot of our stuff. And if you do an online order, if you spend $50, you usually get like a 10% off like of your total order. So you can like double coupon over there. I know I am showing my age right now with how excited I am about coupons and money savings, but this is just what happens guys in life. So uh, I do a lot of my orders there, and so I had to order dog food, and I was getting a bunch of treats and some other things that I wanted to get from Petco, and, you know, use this and get, buy two of this, and you get a 30% off, then get the 10% off the whole thing if you spend $50 or more. So I put the whole entire order in, yes, great, then I receive a little kickback, and it tells me, oh, we didn't have one of the items in your order. It was the most expensive item, which was the dog food, and they didn't have 
that kind of dog food. But instead of contacting me and saying, hey, we don't have this, do you want to replace it? They just took that part off the order and then they charged me for everything else. So I didn't get my discount. So me being the savvy shopper that I am, I call over to Petco and I call the, the number and I talk to the person on the phone and tell them, hey, well, so I want to do this and blah, blah, blah. And they gave me solutions. But the thing is, is the person who tells, hi, thank you so much for calling Petco Unleashed Hillcrest. How can I help you? So I give them my whole spiel about oh, these real matches. Okay, so I think this is like a way that we can do this. Is that I'm going to hold all these items in my house. So that's how this person talks to me. And okay, great. They come up with a solution. Perfect. So then I get an email later on about, hey, your order's ready for pickup. Perfect. So I go on in to pick up my order. And this is my favorite part about the story. This is the reason why I'm going here. It's just so stupid and I'm sidelining. But so I go in to pick up my order and hi, I'm, I'm here to pick up my online order. Oh, wonderful. I'll get it for you. Was it refrigerated? No. What's your name? D'Angelo Bonilla. Okay. I'll get that now for you. And he, like, walks over and, like, walks at the same exact kind of lackadaisical pace that a person with this voice would have, right? Comes back over, brings me my items. <laughs> Thank you so much for shopping at Petco Unleashed. And I look at him and I was like, thank you so much. And thank you so much for being such a help on the phone earlier. And he goes, oh, I don't think I helped you. This is the beginning of my shaft. I think it was Chad. And then this other guy walks over and he goes, Hi, so happy you got everything. <laughs> Everybody at this place had the same fucking voice, y'all. So shout out to the people over at Petco Unleashed. I don't know if his name is Chad. I, I don't know. I changed the names to, you know, protect the, the innocent. But um, speaking of, okay, let's get into what we've been watching. Um, protecting the innocent and whatnot. So that reminds me of like Dateline and Dateline reminds me of the thing about Pam and the thing about Pam is on Hulu right now. And it's also showing on like the same show channel that Dateline does. I don't know if that's ABC or NBC. I can't even remember right now, but anyways, so the thing about Pam starring Renee Zellwinger, uh, it is a six episode miniseries right now. It's I'm three episodes in, uh, it's coming out each week. I didn't realize that they didn't have a bunch of episodes out, so I'm kind of watching in real time with everybody else. So you guys can catch up right now, so I'm not going to give away anything. If you guys have watched the Dateline, so Dateline has actually done five episodes on this. That's how complex this murder trial is. It's insane in the things that happen. So I don't want to give away all the twists and turns, but I'll give you guys the basic premise of this. So what ends up, ends up happening, okay? So this is like... Um, Small town kind of vibes and everything. Everybody's grown up together. Moms are on the same, uh, you know, PTA with each with each other, and that includes like the DA of this of this little town, the judge, and then uh, there's this woman. Her name is Betsy, and she is dying of cancer. And so Betsy has a good friend named Pam. Pam goes to pick her up from her chemo. She's not there. She ends up picking her up from her mother's house. Blah blah blah. Pam gives her a ride home. And then Pam leaves. And when uh, when Betsy's husband comes home, the cancer patient, he comes home and he finds her dead. And she's dead in the most brutally savage way. She's got over 20 stab wounds on her body, a knife stuck in her neck, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I say blah, 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 but it's really pretty horrible. And so I don't want to minimize the tragedy that it is. But the thing is, it's a TV show now. And so there is a little bit of sensationalism around it. And so we can respect the memory of the person, but let's talk about the TV show. Okay, so that being said, so Renee Zellweger plays this Pam character. And, and she's got this voice like this. And so she's just, wow, what they said. So it's very much, she probably could work over at Petco Unleashed. I'm just, just saying. But anyways, um, so Russ comes home, finds his wife dead. He calls, he, he calls 911. And the thing is, is they have all the 911 tapes and everything. So Dateline is like completely they've take they've stripped this from dateline and it's on the same channel and so they have all of the the pieces and they were able to just make a script out of the real pieces of the puzzle 
And it is a puzzle, you guys. So the, what I'm telling you right now is just the tip of the iceberg, and I'm not going to ruin it. So uh, Russ ends up, uh, you know, they he calls he calls nine one one. The police come. They do the whole you know checking of him, check under his fingers and everything else. He ends up having to be put into um, you know that they basically rule it as a homicide. She didn't kill herself because that's what he basically says over the phone. My wife killed herself because she had slashes on her arms, and that's all he noticed. And he says. He even says on like the 911 call, she's got slashes on her arm and there's a knife in her neck. And he never really like looked at her. He came home and he freaked out. And so, and then the cops find that she's got multiple stab wounds all over her body, blah, blah, blah. And so now he is the number one suspect. And because everybody is friends with Pam and nobody thinks that Pam could do something like this, they kind of don't even look at her as being a suspect for this murder. So what ended up happening is, is that this, this whole thing ends up kind of like tumbling in where Russ gets in trouble for the murder. And I don't want to give away too much more, but it doesn't end there. So at the end of episode three, we're right now at the verdict. And the thing is we got three more episodes because this story is going to take turns. So this is one of my, this is going to be my recommendation. I'm going to do recommendation at the end right now. But the thing about Pam with Renee Zellwinger completely am i even saying that right i don't know okay anyways so loving that that's over on hulu right now so you can just watch that and catch up another thing that is on hulu right now that i watched recently is a new amy schumer uh so amy schumer people love her people hate her oh friend of the pod jay mcbride congratulations so jay mcbride is going to be opening for amy schumer on tour so amy schumer just announced her tour and jay good friend of the pod is going to be one of the opening acts she's gonna be opening for fucking amy schumer in like huge places so i'm so excited so well earned jay is funny as fuck and uh congratulations jay loving this okay so anyways back into the amy schumer but also amy schumer she has this new show called life and beth i didn't know what to expect you guys i really didn't do my research on this i don't think i even really watched an ad i think i just saw like all the marketing and like being in LA and seeing like a poster or, you know, like on the walls and that sort of thing. So, and I'm assuming it's Amy Schumer. Well, you guys, she did it to me again because Amy Schumer, I read her book a few years ago and it's very serious. It's not like, mm, it's not like bossy pants, like, like Tina Fey's book, bossy pants is very much like a comedy from like start to finish. And there's some good, you know, medicine pieces in there some nice pills but there's lots of peanut butter you know what i'm saying so but um but with amy schumer really great read but the thing is it, it gets very dark and very real and there's a lot of stuff in it well life and beth has a lot of parallels with amy schumer's life and so if you've read the book then you're going to see a lot of some of that of that stuff play out in this tv show uh i don't remember if it's six or eight episodes it was kind of my sunday binge i just kind of had it on i think i need to go back and watch like a couple of the episodes because i think the dogs kind of had my attention but i get the basic gist of the whole show the first episode did near the end give me a full on like tinge of anxiety that it was like oh do i need to chip off a little bit of this zanny because I don't, I don't need a full Zanny, but I need a little bit of something because my started spiraling out because the show, it's called Life and Beth, and I didn't realize either two, the little pun, the little whatever you want to call that there, little wordplay because it's life and death. Well, I didn't even realize. So the show is really about loss and coping with it and grief and that sort of thing. So it is good. It's worth the watch, I think, but just know what you're getting yourself into. So that's the Amy Schumer show, Life and Beth. Okay, um... Was there anything else on Hulu that I'm watching right now? I don't think so. Let's jump over to, um, where's my phone? Okay, let's jump over to Amazon. So I uh, finished up in my time away from you guys. I'm all caught up on The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Okay, not going to give you guys any spoilers. Um, <sighs> I spent the first three episodes a little bit angry with the show. And like Amy Sherman Palladino, who I did love, who did all of Gilmore Girls. And if you're into that really fast talking, the show has it for you. That quip, pop, 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 pop. You know what I mean? That's really how quickly dialogue comes along. And it's all got a rhythm to it. And uh, the first three episodes are such a waste of time. It's like, okay, we get it. 
she's back home now. She didn't get to go on the tour last season. That's how we ended it. And now she's going to like rebuild herself at home. And I understand wanting to be at the same comfort level that you've always like lived up to and everything else. It's just, they could have just, they could have breezed through it in an episode and given us a little bit more meat, but it's a good show. Uh, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, it's showing, it's consistent. I think that's the best way to say it. It's a consistent show with a really stellar cast and it's so beautiful, you guys. There's so many theatrical elements that they do this season. And then also, Jane Lynch comes in and hits it out of the park. I don't like Jane Lynch. I, I said that really mean. Oh my God, you guys don't tell her that I said that. <laughs> I don't like Jane Lynch. Um, but <laughs> but um, I don't necessarily like her. You know what I mean? Like she's she's very trunchbull energy a lot of times and so whatever that character was that she played on the on glee very much trench pool adjacent but anyways um she just she doesn't usually do it for me but in this show in marvelous mrs Maisel, i am completely completely appreciating myself some jane lynch so uh i would say that is something go into it just know that the first three episodes two and a half three episodes are a slog to get through this season uh, I just, I'm telling you, it doesn't go fast enough. Another thing that I was watching over there on Amazon Prime is uh, The Boys Presents Diabolical. This is a new animated series. It's capsule series. Each episode is uh, is its own story, uh, anthology series, so to speak. Um, and so this is made by the people who made The Boys, you know, the series with, uh, you know, the, the superheroes. And it's all a little bit... It's, wrong it's on its head you know and it also um so it has that kind of a vibe to it and uh what would i say here that it is funny it's dark it knows what it is robot chicken if you're a fan of that if you're a fan of you know if you're a fan of the boys you're gonna like this if you're a fan of animation i don't know it kept my attention but it's not something that i feel like i'm like Oh, I gotta go run and back and watch it. It's one of those things that I put on kind of when I when I have other things going on in my life. Okay, um, let's jump over to the Netflix. I don't know what that song is, but let's talk about it. Okay, so there is a new documentary on Netflix. Watch this uh, recently. There's four episodes of it. Um, if you're not a fan of documentaries, this isn't one to jump into because. In my personal opinion, it doesn't go anywhere. It's very Twindler Swindler adjacent. It has that kind of a vibe. I'm going to take your money and run. Uh, but the whole bad vegan thing, it has to do with that woman who was the vegan restaurant, um, pure food and wine that was in, in New York over there in Brooklyn. And she had this restaurant. It was doing amazingly well and like Alec Baldwin was talking to her and wanted her to be, you know, basically telling her that he wanted to find himself a life companion. This is before Hilaria. And he basically met Hilaria at her restaurant. Okay, so like this is like she should have went with him. She was not going to do better than Alec Baldwin. And this basically that's what Bad Vegan is about. It's about a woman who can't do better than Alec Baldwin. And then life tells her and shows her that she couldn't. And she's kind of an idiot. She gives away so much money and then she ends up the whole bad vegan thing is is because she um is basically on the run from the law um look up the story i don't even want to get into the whole thing but she is arrested in a hotel room and there are domino's pizza and chicken wings in the next room and she's supposed to be a vegan and it's because of the guy that she's with and so it's this whole story so bad vegan i guess if you're a documentary watcher, go ahead and put it on. Put it on the background. Um, it's it's not my favorite. It's not great. Uh, I don't know. I don't want to be mean, but I'm being mean because it's just it's not good. Uh, I would just say save the time out of your life and just watch the Anna Delvey show one more time, Inventing Anna. Just watch that because it's more fun. Okay, Love is Blind over on Netflix. Y'all, this series, it took me a minute to get into because I loved the first season. And then I was like, okay, they're going to bring it back to the second season, blah, blah, blah. But the second season did deliver. Okay, so my feelings, though, okay, so Shane and Natalie, that was the one couple, the, the guy who looked like he was, like, coked out the whole time. He was hot. Like, I'm so into problematic people. And so, and that's what I, he's problematic. Like, in, the, in my 20s, I would have been all over him. 
um, blonde, tall, coked out eyes. And he, he was with the two different girls that he was with Shayna, the uh, Christian girl who I'm pretty sure her family were insurrectionists. Allegedly, I don't know if you guys if that's the truth or anything like that, but it's just they kind of gave me that vibe when they did the home visit. But anyways, he was like talking to her and he was talking to this other girl at Natalie at the same time. And Natalie was like this smart, well put together. Um, I don't want to just break it down and be like she was Asian. But the thing is, it's the best way to describe somebody when you have a show like this where they have a token Asian, they have token black person, blah, 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 blah. So anyways, um, Shane and her, they end up, they look like they're going to be the best, you know, couple and they keep calling each other best friends. He's my best friend. Y'all have known each other three weeks. Okay. He's a good lay. He's a good friend. He's not your best friend yet. You're going to get there. But the thing is, is you're putting a lot of pressure on the situation. And then apparently something happened where too many drinks, I think that's AKA for too much blow. And then also he said something in their fight. And y'all, if y'all watch the show, get into my DMs. Let me know if you think the same thing. But I think he said something racist. I really do. He said something rude about her, either her looks or he used a derogatory term. He was pejorative towards, I mean, like, I just, it's that's that's my vibe that I'm getting. Okay, then you also have that deep D and shock, and, uh, shock shake. We'll just call him shake. That's what they all called him. Um. She's a queen. Deep D, queen. Queen, 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 queen. Okay. Um, and the thing is, is like nobody can ever say that she's unattractive ever again in her whole entire life because of this show, because of how unattracted he was to her physically. And the thing was, and everybody's like, dude, you're not going to do any better if you looked in the mirror. I mean, come on. And so, and on a first like meeting of her, like, oh, you're so wonderful. And everybody else does these sweet, like, you know, love, kissy kind of things. And he like, grabs her ass like a whole handful of ass and it was like ooh, you know what this, this is it looks bad already it was already going to be bad it was doomed from the start so it was doomed from the first ass grab if you ask me but um so that was those two couples and then the other ones like it was just kind of like they had the, the token black couple that was in this and i can't remember the girl's name from that couple but the thing is is she really got to his house this was one of the things that bothered me the most is when they went to the home visits she went through his drawers and stuff like y'all i'm here with my partner of 13 plus years i cannot tell you what is in all of his drawers like or what's at the bottom of his drawers. I don't go through his shit. I don't want somebody going through my stuff. And the fact that she had the audacity to walk in there and just start going through things. Ooh, ooh, girl, no, go home. But they, apparently it worked out for them. And he really needed somebody to put like the leash on him and, and collar him because they're still together. It looks cute. And then there was that other couple who, um, I don't know. I want to see in six months where they are because that girl was a little bit crazy. And so, okay, that was Love is Blind. I don't remember everybody's names. And like I said, we're doing stream of conscious, so we're going to keep it going. Um, I want to say that's kind of like everything that I've been watching on Netflix lately. Netflix has not been hitting. They have that whole, is it cake? And that did. I did get into that for a second. For a whole second means like one episode. And then I was like, I bet you my partner would like watching this. So that's something I'm going to probably save. And watch when we want to watch something that's like mindless and we don't want to talk about work or anything. So that's probably going to be that. Uh, I think that's kind of it for me over on Netflix right now. I will say the channel that is hitting the way that it should be hitting is HBO. HBO Max is doing things, y'all. Um, <laughs> it's like I'm acting like I discovered this. Like it didn't have sex in the city and everything else before. And by that, I mean I finally watched an old series that came out in the 90s and I finally watched it. Uh, and I've and it's not for lack of trying. And that would be The Sopranos. Okay? So it's The Sopranos. I know I'm so fucking late to the party and it is so problematic. It's so problematic. It is misogynistic. It is so homophobic. It is so anti-black. It has so many things. And it's because the characters are written that way and everything. But they don't really do anything to offset it. So like HBO was just like, yeah, let them say the N-word. Let's do it two more times. And it's like, you know, some white executive somewhere was like, <laughs> we got it through. And then he put his hood on. But like, it's just, it kind of felt like that. But the thing is, is um, 
I see where it came from, and it was it's pretty fabulous. Uh, this happened over 20 years ago, you guys, so I'm going to spoil the shit out of Sopranos right now. So, um, because it's been. The, the point in The Sopranos where everything kind of turns for me, and so the thing is, is you know that they're The Sopranos. They are mobsters. They are... You know, that whole thing about, you know, we're going to chop your, we're going to chop him up and put his pieces all over Jersey. They do that shit in the show, y'all. Like, it really does go there. So if you never watched The Sopranos, um, I would say it is worth the watch. It's six seasons. The sixth season is split into two because uh, James Gandolfini ended up getting uh, into a car accident in the middle. And you can tell, too, that James Gandolfini, as the, is the, is the series goes on, is that his health is kind of in a little bit of a decline. You can hear him breathe, but it really does add to the character, so they just kind of, like, leave it in. Because he's like... Like, he's always, like, breathing, like, real heavy like that. That was some ASMR for you bitches, okay? I'm just giving, okay? And that was free. So just put that on loop and go to sleep. Okay, <laughs> but um, in the series, you know that everybody's bad. They do horrible things. They kill people. They do all these these terrible things. I'm sorry if you guys are hearing that my chairs creak because that's all I'm hearing right now in my ears, and I so apologize. That's a chair creaking. I'm using a wooden chair. Anyways, um, like I'm fucking Aiden from Sex in the City. Um, but there, you know, that all these people do bad things, but you have a, you have a, an affection towards them and the whole family situation. And Edie Falco is fabulous in it. Okay, you guys, like Edie Falco is pretty much she's she's a, she's the bomb. Um, and she in this show just she's wonderful as uh, Camilla Soprano, and um, James Gandolfini is is wonderful as well. I find him strangely attractive. You guys, like he's like you look at him, you're like. Hmm. And the thing is, but like, I just, as the series goes on, I'm just like, why do I want to do this man? Cause he's, he's kind of gross, but at the same time. And then also the other thing too, is just, I'm now realizing that when I wear sweatsuits and track suits, that as much, I tweeted about this earlier, as much as I feel like when I wear sweatsuits and track suits that I look like fashion, I probably just look like a mobster because of my body type and my age. So it's something that I've had to come with a terrible realization with. And I would like you guys to all search your wardrobes and see what is not working for you. Okay, so not to be judgmental. Okay, but anyway, so yeah, uh, back to what I was saying about the whole Soprano things, about how they, you know, they're bad people. And then the fifth season happens, and that's when you really get into like, oh, these are really bad people. And so when they kill off, the Adriana character, when they kill off, and I'm giving this away, but it's in the fifth season. It's the last episode. It's like fifth season number 12. It is one of the best episodes of television, period. Okay, so that's like a really, really good, solid storyline. It ends on this horrible tragedy, and then we get into like our sixth season as we start rolling into, and it's just like, everybody's got to pay and so so many things happen we get rid of so many characters and then the very end you know it's been this whole thing about uh i know that a lot of people waited around for this but so tony soprano at the at the very last scene what ends up happening here is uh that a lot of you guys already know but i read a little bit more about this that's why i'm going to get into it but so tony soprano at the very end is pretty much like all of his friends are dead like you know everybody's been been killed in his posse the other big mob boss is gone and now he's just waiting for his family in a diner, and they're all coming in. And so his his wife comes in, his son comes. They're eating they're eating uh, onion rings. And as this is going on, they're playing "Don't Stop Believing." Hold on to the feeling. Okay. Anyways, um, <laughs> so. As they're playing that and, you know, Meadow Soprano's getting there and she's parking her car, his daughter, and they keep on showing all these like shifty looking characters, you know, that almost look like bad guys from other episodes and, and from the past, uh, from the series. And, you know, he's sitting with him, he's looking towards the door, you know, it's that whole mob mob thing that, you know, you don't have your back towards the door. And one of the guys gets up from the from the bar 
and goes past his table, you know, at this diner, gets up from the diner, at the diner counter and goes to the bathroom. And as Meadows walking in, you hear the chime from the bell and then it goes black and it goes, don't stop. And then it goes black. Okay. And that's the end of the series. And it's like, okay, so that's where they left you. And so some people, you know, I've heard it debated. And this is before I even watched the show, but I remember reading this thing like Rolling Stone or whatever, is that some people felt that, oh, well, they're just, the family's just going to keep on going. And this is just, that's where it goes. Don't stop. You know, that was it. And then it keeps going. But then the deeper thing is some people believe that he was killed, that Tony Soprano died that night. And so that's what happens. And then now, like, even they've even got with the show creator, and he's even said, yeah, Tony Soprano dies. They gave you that little thing before, is that when Tony and Christopher had been talking in an earlier episode of, like, what do you think it is when you die? And they basically say, it's like when a movie ends. It's just, it just happens. It just ends. You don't have anything else. It's just, that's it. The, the, the lights go out. We're done. And then that's how they end the whole entire series, is the lights go out. It's done. And so... It left me feeling hollow, you guys. The end of The Sopranos made me feel hollow. Okay, let's keep on going. That was 20 years ago. We're 40 minutes into this. Let's get into the rest of what I watched. Okay, Righteous Gemstones. You guys, two se- there's uh, two seasons of the show already out there. It's by, um, and I'm not remembering anybody's names, but basically if you watch Vice Principals, uh, it's made by those gentlemen's. Um, and it's John Goodman, and I'm going to get Edie, uh, Edie Patterson is in it. She's fucking hilarious. Um, I'm going to have to look it up right now because I feel bad for not even saying the right people on this, and then I'm just talking. Uh, Danny McBride, that's who it is. Danny McBride from Vice Principals. He is, like, the lead in this, and so and it's, it's essentially, it's about this, like, these pastors of, like, a mega church that have, like, you know, 700 club type you know, television show and streaming service and all these kind of things. So mega church and this family is at like the heart of it all. And that dad has this huge plot of land that he has put all of their homes on. And they also like the, for the whole family. So sons, daughters, everybody lives, they're all next door neighbors to each other. And then they all, you know, support the family business, which is the ministry. It is the most madcap fucking humor it is so good so funny if you like that quick funny stuff that like vice principles gives you that 30 rock kind of gave you that kind of digs in um there is so much dick in this show too oh my god um used for humor and everything else but i would say righteous gemstones watch it run go two seasons are out there for you and it's it's just wonderful and the soundtrack is pretty killer as well Um, The other two shows that I've been watching on HBO Max that I completely love right now is Minx. Okay, so Minx is like um, this girl wants to create a feminist magazine and nobody wants to give her the time of day as she goes in to, you know, one of those like trade show kind of things, job fair. And um, but this one pornographer who makes all these different skin mags and then he gives her kind of like a platform, a magazine to have and to push through as a feminine article, but they're going to make it basically playgirl and then have all these great articles in the middle of it um and it's great again the first episode does not prepare you you see 120 dicks in like 30 minutes i swear to god it is like pow 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 pow, pow. dick like those are all dicks all the pow 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 pows those are all dicks that's what i just meant okay so it was like dick 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 that's what had happened um but that is how the minx is but the girl the lead girl in it she gets on my nerves y'all and it's just her face it's her mouth like, you remember that thing from 30 Rock when he's like, look at your mouth. It looks like somebody kicked a hole in a bag of flour. That's what I think of when I see the girl who, the lead from Minx. From Minx. Please don't tell her that if you're friends with her. I don't remember her name, but the thing is, is like, it's a good show, but I just don't want to watch her talk. Her mouth drives me crazy. You know, teeth acting, very much like the bitch from Scandal. Like, it's just, ugh, Carrie, Carrie Washington, she also, she does the teeth acting, and you're just like, can you please put those teeth away and just talk normally? <sighs> okay, another show over on HBO. I'm only four episodes in, because it's something I'm appointment watching with my partner, and now I'm like going to make him get through it, because he's home for a few days, and that is The Gilded Age. You guys, I love it. It is so 
delicious. All the costumes and the sets and the New York City and all that. The storytelling is really good and just completely appreciating it. Um, I know that the season finale just happened and so I'm like way behind everybody else. But if you haven't watched it yet, The Gilded Age, it's really good. It's that Downton Abbey vibes, upstairs, downstairs. We have, you know, like the in the servants and that sort of a thing. And um, I don't know, Cynthia Nixon's in it. It's just, it's one of those shows that I've been watching and I'm just really enjoying and seeing where it's going to go. Okay, flipping over. You guys, I didn't realize that in my cable package I was paying for Stars. Did you guys know Stars was a channel that like people actually watch? Mm-hmm. It's got some crazy movies on there, some stuff that nobody even cares about. But one of the things I did watch on there is that new Courtney Cox show. So that also is like in its fourth episode right now. And this is uh, The Shining Veil. It's Greg Kinnear, Courtney Cox, um... I think my major problem with it, because the thing is, is like Mira Sorvino's in it and it's like, oh, you're at Delight. Where have you been? But my thing about The Shining Veil is that Courtney Cox has done everything always based in reality. You know what I mean? Like we know her, we, we know her as Monica Geller. And the thing is, is and so that's something that she's always going to have to like run away from. Same way that Jennifer Aniston has to go from, you know, Rachel and all that sort of thing. And I think that the girls from friends have done it better than the guys that they've been able to break out of those roles and find other things and find other success. Um, but Courtney Cox, you know, Cougar town based in like a grounded reality where it's, you know, it's, it's everyday living, it's real life. And then now that she's trying to act like she's scared of ghosts and I understand she's a scream queen, literally she's in scream, but scream was also, it's not a supernatural killer. It's, it's, somebody's brother it's somebody's mother it's somebody's you know that sort of a thing and um so courtney cox has always kind of given us this based in reality so to have her in something where she's being haunted and possessed by some ghost or the house or whatever whatever's supposed to be haunting her again we are only in episode four so there has not been made clear and i don't want to like cast aspersions um but like I don't know, Courtney Cox, you're just not doing it for me in this role. The most recent episode, episode number four, something about that one is kind of like, okay, I'm getting in there. But I don't know. It's just, I'm going to keep on watching because I want to see where it goes. But there's just, there's something missing to this show that is not giving it that va-va-voom, that oomph, that ooh-ah-ah sensation, that whole sort of a situation. Um, Okay, another thing I watch on Stars. I told you guys it has movies that nobody wants to watch. Is that new The Craft I don't even know what the craft is called. Craft Legacy, Craft Endgame, Craft Craft New, Craft Light, Craft Part 2. I don't know. Anyways, um, it's bad, y'all. It's bad. David Duchovny's in it, and he don't even save it. David Duchovny's terrible in it. Like, it's just like, take off your shirt, David Duchovny. Why, why are you doing this? Um, the problem with the new craft is 2020. 2019 Gen Z, this whole everybody be nice to each other. We can't be completely assholes to each other. It ruins it. And so there is no sting to what these girls do. Like it's like, remember in the first in the in the real craft with like Rachel True and and uh Feruza Balk and uh what's her name? From Scream. Nev Campbell. You guys are probably screaming right now, Nev Campbell. I know, it's Nev Campbell. Anyways, from the original one, you know, they made this bitch's hair fall out when, when, you know, and they pushed somebody out of a window and blah, blah, blah. So it follows those same beat patterns of like, okay, so the hot guy who's mean to her all of a sudden, you know, changes his attitude towards her and all that sort of thing. But there's no bite. There's no spice. There's no... It's kind of like Metamorphosis on Drag Race. There's no spice. There's nothing extra. It's all mayo, no mustard. Like, it's just... Oof. So I would say that that that's probably the, why the reason why the craft isn't doing so well. Okay, you guys, we're rounding out like an hour almost. So I'm going to be letting you guys go. I'm going to appreciate you guys so much for sticking around with me today. But um, I would say the other things I want to tell you guys to watch right now are Survivor. So Survivor is hit at season 42, 
It's great. I'm loving it more than the first season 41 that we recently showed. But season 42 is great. And there's a new guy on there tonight. His name is Jonathan, you guys. And Jonathan is brutally hot. The only issue I have with him is that he's a white guy with dreads. So it's like beautiful man, stacked body. He looks like a superhero compared to everybody else. So you know they're going to vote his ass out in any minute. But um, he's got dreads. So it's like he gets out of the water and like they show his face. And you're like, look at that beautiful face. And then he shakes his head and it looks like Grinch fingers. Just like those dreads. It's disgusting. So, but I have a feeling, and I told my friend this the other day, that I think that those dreads are gameplay. It's so he doesn't look completely perfect, you know what I mean? Golden boy from head to toe. That those dreads kind of, you know, maybe they give him a strength. He's very Goliath. Who knows? But anyways, Survivor, new season 42, completely loving it. Uh, Drag Race right now that's on. Um, it's a long season, you guys. I've fallen asleep during two episodes already. Uh, the most recent two, like, it's just, it's not great to me. Um, but I'm still going to keep on watching because I do like some of the girls that are on it, but I feel like the personality's gone because Cornbread left. And then she's now telling everybody that she is not coming back for season 15. She got them bookings. She don't need it right now. So Cornbread will probably come back in a couple years for like an all-star season when, you know, the booking starts to slow again, like how it does for these girls. So they cycle back onto the show to make sure it just jumps up and then they'll come back through. Just get that asking price up because even if you are doing stuff that's successful, getting on an all stars does. I mean, look at Trixie, looks at Trixie Mattel right now, you guys. I mean, like that bitch is working. I fucking love her. Okay, anyways, um, thank you guys so much for joining me for this new episode of Bald and Bingeable. Pretty much everything I talked about today, you guys go ahead and watch it at your own risk. And I do appreciate you guys for being here. Thanks again. Go ahead and like and subscribe wherever you guys are listening. More people that we get on here. And if I start getting some ads, I could be more regular. But I'm on one man operation. And this shit gets hard and it's an extracurricular. So I do appreciate every single one of you guys that do give me your ears for the little time that I do take here. Please do follow me on social media. You guys can see what's going on. Follow the stories over on Instagram. Do click on that little round circle and see what's going on because that's the fun part. And all of this shit that I'm giving you is free free 99 thank you guys so much take care of yourselves and good night from the lower level good night from the lower level